Welcome to the multitask. This is John. It's your boy Fadi. What's going on, guys? So, uh, Trump, he finally, well, we knew last week he caught his case. And then he had to actually go turn himself in. And it was quite the spectacle. People gathered outside the courthouse in Miami. Uh, things were hopping, things were popping. Um, and, you know, uh, he has he is now been arraigned. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get any bail, uh, meaning he did not, he was released on his own recognizance, and we'll go into that, but he is now both, uh, it has been indicted for a felony in New York, and at least his first of many uh, new, uh, federal felonies. So what was your take on this past week's uh, uh, shenanig- Trump shenanigans? You know, it's interesting, John, maybe because I just had a, a busier week than the first indictment. This seemed a little bit less fanfare-ish, although it was the more serious of the charges, right? The New York case is serious, but it's just less of, uh, I don't think the stakes are as high as the federal case. I don't, I don't think the evidence, it's just much more of a of a smoking gun in, in, in Mar-a-Lago case. And so there was just less of a fanfare. There wasn't like the drive up, I know MSNBC and CNN were literally watching the Trump limo in New York and, and it was arriving. It was a play-by-play. And this was a little bit less of that. And I don't know if that has to do with how Miami is geographically or whatever it is, but um, I just found it to be a little bit less fanfare-ish. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I, I know we, we talked about which case should come first, whether it be Jack Smith in New York. And I don't know if that took anything away from it. We'll see what happens, obviously, in July. But there's something about Trump having to leave Florida, come to New York, that made it more of a fanfare than him going down the street, if you will. Um, well, how funny! How, it, how funny is it that when he got indicted in New York, he had to fly out from Florida, and when he got indicted in Florida, he had to fly out, fly down from New Jersey. Uh, you know, the, the the indictments don't don't match where he's staying. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I wonder what's going to end up happening in Georgia when that eventually comes down. Um, but do you agree? I'll I'll push it back to you. We'll get into the deeper nitty gritty stuff. But did you feel like it was a little less fanfare? No, I felt it was more fanfareish. Um, actually, in my opinion, um, I I think this one is a lot more serious. This one has him more spooked. This one has, um, put it this way, I think that if he was found guilty in New York, even with uh, throwing a book at him type of scenario, the New York situation, the the state charges he's facing in New York, not the state charges he potentially faces in, in Atlanta, but the state fi- state charges he faces in New York, I don't think they would have ever resulted in j- jail time or an alternative to jail. I think if he's found guilty in the federal case, the first federal case, remember we think there's a second federal case, but if he's found <coughs> guilty in his first federal case, um, you know, there's talk that he probably won't go to jail. But my assumption would be that he could easily face a jail sentence. And then they have to, the Bureau of Prisons and other folks have to come up with some alternatives just because the logistical nightmares of jailing a president and his Secret Service protection, right? Um, so I think that, and if you look, um, I'm told he's freaking out a lot more. Oh, wait, let me back up. I'm told makes it seem like I have inside information. I'm reading. I'm looking at the internet. I'm, you know, from 
the stuff that I'm watching, the stuff that I'm reading, uh, I'm seeing that he is actually more freaked out and spooked by this. And I don't know if it's because he feels it's a, a more of a slam dunk case or if it's just now the weight of first a state indictment, now a federal indictment, probably another federal indictment, probably another state indictment. I wonder, is it the case by itself or is it just the fact that he just knows that it's one of many? I think a couple of things. I think it's federal and I, I think the evidence is overwhelming. Like we saw pictures this week. We haven't even talked about that, but we saw pictures this week or if there was new information this week. And uh, I, I think he just realizes that there's probably more damning evidence. I also think, John, unfortunately, the way the society works and the patriarchy, if you will, not to go down that rabbit hole, but a lot of people don't really think he did anything necessarily wrong in New York. It was illegal, but it's like, is it morally, ethically, is it, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, I think more common people can relate to it. He can explain that away a, a little bit more than he can the Mar-a-Lago stuff. I think that's part of it is it's just more serious. And I think Georgia will get serious as well. And then we'll see what happens with January 6th. But um, I do want to talk about one thing, though. He keeps saying that there's two justice systems and, we saw this week the Republicans are saying no one's ever been mistreated like this and et cetera. And I just want to say that he's is getting mistreated in, in, in the other way. No, no thumbprints, no perp walk, no mugshot, no. Um, he's, he's not having to go through what every single day people would have to go through normally. Now, some of it, I, I will say, John, I, I hate him, but some of it's just justified. He should be able to decide or negotiate when to come in, right? There's just logistical nightmares. You can't just walk in in the middle of Manhattan and surrender yourself to a courtroom. It just provides, it's probably a little bit unsafe for the common person, the common citizen. So I understand that his status gives him a little bit leeway. And I, I, it, was, it was interesting, John, and I don't know if you, you've noticed this, but they explained the reason for the mugshot, and I never actually thought about it, but I, I don't know where the mugshot comes from, like historically, because the judge in this case, or not the judge, but the people who were arraigning him or whatever, said Donald Trump's been photographed probably more than any single person in the history of the world. There is no reason for a mugshot. Now, that's leeway that another person won't have to face. But it made me actually think about the history of the mugshot and what then is what's it's used for, or necessary for, or fingerprints or or what have you, right? So, did you find that kind of interesting? I I know we want him to have a mugshot, and I want it, but I just found it interesting. That's all. I feel it's BS for one reason. Uh, famous people get arrested all the time, and they get their mugshots taken. Um, you know, I I you know Rod Blagojevich was the governor of the state of Illinois. And, and not only did he get his mugshot taken, he had it released. And, you know, we're told, now maybe it might be new policy, but we're told that the feds don't release mugshots, right? But when, you know, when, when Rob Blagojevich was, was uh, arrested, his mugshot was released. Um, R. Kelly's got mugshots. Uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein's got mugshots. So I kind of find, um, so my question would be, you know, would this be a situation where, uh, going down the line, other and I'm not trying to defend criminal celebrities. Uh, I put it this way: I don't think uh, 
uh, because he didn't get a mugshot, I'm not of the mindset that uh, other criminal celebrities don't need to get a mugshot. I'm of the mindset that just admit you gave the man special treatment and, and the way that you protected him, but while you didn't protect others. And, you know, like I say, I can name any list of celebrities and I don't want to, because I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming to their defense, but we do know that a significant amount of famous people get arrested all the time and get mugshots. So I don't buy that excuse. I think it, I think if anything, it was something they decided not to do and they stuck to that or went to that as one of their reasons, but I don't buy that in my opinion. Um, I, I do think you should have, uh, I, I, you know, I was listening to uh, a show earlier and they said, you know, Jack Smith made the conscious decision, you know, not for travel restrictions because the guy's running for president. Um, I'm also not necessarily fans of them accommodating him because he's running for president because part of me feels that part of his run for president is to shield him from the consequences of his actions. And so if you and I were facing some legal trouble, are we supposed to run for office so that we don't have to, you know, we can delay our trial, we can delay our case, we can have our bond wave, we could, you know. I understand the implications of treating him like a normal person. But it does feel to me as if... um he's being treated differently. You know, I sent you something that said the mayor of Miami who just announced he's going to run for president. He's facing a, uh, a, a federal investigation. May nothing may come of it, but is he should, if, if now granted they did indict Trump, but should he also be afforded the same things? And, but I also wonder this though, I wonder if there's a little bit of uh, strategy um, how would you feel if you're Walt Nada and you, you know, he hasn't been arraigned, but how, how will he feel if he actually does have to take a mugshot? How will he feel? And I think he did have to take a mugshot. How will he feel if he does have travel restrictions? How will he feel if he has to bail himself out? And how will he feel if he's convicted and he does have to do jail time? And part of me wonders, is that a tool? Now I've been Again, I won't say I've been told. I've watched a lot of TV and heard a lot of things where people have said that in many ways they don't need an auto to flip uh, because some, you know, the case, you know, that the only thing worse than being asked to flip is being asked not to flip because that basically means that they can make the case without you and you've got no bargaining chips. But I do wonder if, um, I wonder how he feels, I wonder how Walt Nauta feels that you know, he is strictly more likely an accessory in this situation and the consequences for him may be more significant than they are for Trump, even even in the pretrial phase. Yeah, you said a lot. It's interesting you mentioned celebrity mugshots. That's something I never thought of. But you mentioned legit celebrities who did legit crimes. It's not even that, right? Justin Bieber just raced in a Ferrari and they, they arrested him and he has a mugshot, right? So even these petty crimes that you don't necessarily need a mugshot for, they definitely do it. So I, uh, I, I find that to be an interesting point that you brought up. As far as everything else, you know, it's interesting, John. Boy, did he throw him under the bus. He throws his, his right-hand man under the bus. 
that guy had no idea what he's doing. What I mean by that is he's an errand boy. He's the reason he just does things for Trump that Trump asked for him. That's his job. And does he probably think some of it was illegal? Yeah. But he also thinks that Trump is going to be president again, right? This is this is my point I'm trying to make. Maggie Haberman was on Twitter talking about, for all the people who think Trump's not scared or all those people who think Trump's not worried, he's definitely worried. And he was unhinged that day on, on Truth Social. But here's what I'll say. I don't buy it. Do I think when he lays his head on the pillow, he thinks he's screwed? Yeah. But I think that his end game is the presidency and then all this will go away. So I think he's just putting all his money on red or red 40 or whatever you want to call it. He's putting all his money on one chip and that's, I'm going to be the president again and all this will go away. And I, I don't think he's as scared as people think he is. Now, if he loses the presidency, when he loses the presidency, we'll see if his behavior changes and we'll see if he start making calls to, to Russia and try to get out of town. But I don't think he's that scared. Is that, do you, th- do you think that's um, cynical or what do you think? Um, I do think he's that scared um, because in addition to jail time, man's going to, he has an ego, his legacy. I mean, and this is something I've always wondered about the right and a lot of people to some people it's time for them. And I know they're trying to ban books, but it's time for them to start worrying about the history books. I mean, especially should we, fight off this, you know, what we believe to be uh, modern day fascism. And we actually have um, uh, you know, we, we, we I wonder if we have a situation where these people will soon realize that history is not going to be kind to them. And that when the history books are written, they're going to be the villains. They're going to be the ones. They're going to go down in history as the problem, as the people who were on the wrong side of history. I'm wondering if any of them will start to realize that. And I think Trump's starting to realize I can do all this other stuff, but when you look at all these portraits of presidents and read all their stories, no president is going to have the shame that I have. That's at some point in time got to kick in for him. And I wonder if that's starting to kick in, regardless of whether, I mean, I do think he's scared shitless of jail or not even jail, but house arrest where, and I hope that the house arrest is punitive. I, I really think if he goes to house arrest that we should buy a house and, 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 and really make it bare bones. Cause that, that would be that type of house arrest. I don't think house arrest at Mar-a-Lago or, or wherever will be sufficient. And yet, no, you can't, have a summer house, a winter house. You pick one house and you stay there, asshole. Um, but that's kind of where I am. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't think Republicans view it that way. I think they view their legacy as what they were able to accomplish, almost as martyrs, right? I think McConnell, history won't be kind to McConnell, but they will say that he accomplished things, right? Supreme Court, holding the Garland seat, all this stuff, that's that's part of his legacy. Same thing with Trump, right? It's like part of the Supreme Court stuff is his legacy too. He was ugly, he was mean, he was awful, he was impeached twice, he was indicted twice, plus more coming. 
but look at all the stuff he was able to do. And I don't think that he cares. I think they're trying to erase history. I don't think they particularly care about history, right? Ron DeSantis today, I don't know if you saw this, talking about how he would have been Jesus' disciple and all this other stuff. Like, these people have massive egos. And if you have people around you that are feeding it, the MAGA cult and the Floridians who are joining the MAGA cult with DeSantis, um, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks because you still have that loyal following. So um, he will be in it. If he was in jail and on the ballot, people would vote for him. And that's, I think, enough for him. He really is surprised. I still think it, but that 2016 fateful night, I thought he was surprised. He, I don't think he wanted to win or um, thought he would win. And I just think the rallies are enough for him. And he'll do rallies as long as he's a free man. And he'll feed his ego. So I don't particularly think they care about legacy. Yeah, it's going to be, well... We'll see. Uh, you know, I, I do sometimes wonder um, what it's like to be in his environment. I do wonder what the advisors are telling him. But, you know, one of the things that you're hearing more and more is, to your point about Republicans, more and more Republicans are starting to speak out and say, hey, man, he's, you know, I'm not going down with this ship. You know, I'm not going down with him. So, like I say, I think that this, might not. I, I, I'm still in the belief that there's going to be maybe some things to where the writing's going to be on the wall. Um, I think the indictment spooked a lot of people. You saw how a lot of people, uh, especially the people running against them, were very indignant the minute the indictment came out. But then after they've read it, they kind of, within the first 24 to 72 hours of reading the indictment, their tone changed. Now, I don't know if their tone changed because they saw vulnerability. Let's be honest, a lot a lot of their defense of Trump and everything else was due in large part because they were trying to appeal to his voters. But I don't know if they say, okay, he's close to getting got, so I have freedom to speak out. Or are they reading it and saying, oh my goodness, um, what have we done? But see, part of me wonders if if they're saying, oh my goodness, what have we done? They are more ignorant than I thought. Because would you agree that while it is startling to read, it's startling to... Have you ever seen there was something you know is going to happen or know, knows the situation, but it's, a, it's 10 times harder to digest when it's confirmed, right? I don't know, but I sort of feel all that's happening right now. And But I'd love to know the motivation of the Republicans who are finally starting to push back on, you know, and, and, and to show a little bit of backbone. I, I'd love to know, is it because they're spooked or is it by what happened or is it that they just now finally see a vulnerability on, on his part? Um, it's a good question. I, it might be all of the above. It also might be this idea of, consensus right if you're the first one to criticize trump then it feels worse but if mitt romney does it chris christie's been doing it when fox news does it all of a sudden nikki halen's switching her comments doesn't actually stick to news if nikki haley when the indictment first dropped and then she comes out in criticism of donald trump that becomes a story but when the indictment is unsealed 
Fox News goes at him. Chris Christie goes at him. The top lawyers go at him. Those lawyers quit. All of a sudden, Nikki Haley is just someone on the bandwagon who's criticizing him, and she gets less flack for it. So I think part of it is that game. Can I get enough Trump voters and then criticize Trump enough where they don't notice? You know, And I don't think anybody really noticed that she changed her mind outside of the people really paying attention. The problem, John, is they're not good at consensus. If Christie and Haley, Pence, all the candidates came together and said, let's get him out of the race and then we'll fight a fair one ourselves. But they just won't do it. They're, they also have to keep in mind that he might actually be president again. So it's like you can't piss off his voters. You can't piss him off. And there's just no way to win an election. Most of these people don't think they're going to win, John. I think they're running for vice president or dressed to get their name up or sell some books or get the board seat. I think Chris Christie's the only one who wants to actually win. I don't think that anybody else thinks they're going to win, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but, you know, the belief of Chris Christie is not that he's going to win, but that he is going to – he sort of sees himself as the Bill Lambert. Now, I may be dating – not sure how much how familiar you are with Bill Lambeer's role for the Detroit Pistons, but um, that for and I don't think Goon is Goon's probably the most appropriate, but not the most accurate deception. I, I do wonder if he's Goon squatting. You know, he'll go in, he'll take the hard fouls that no one else will take. He's going to go ahead. He might even get a flagrant two, right? But um, I think he feels that's his job to go in and, and muddy him up. And I heard that there was a belief that he would go in and muddy him up and not necessarily be successful. But then he, uh, if, especially on the Republican side, he might be in line for a cabinet position, right? Um, for, for the front runner. My question is, you know how sometimes tradition states where, or there is a tradition that uh, Democrats uh, and Republicans, oftentimes whoever's a president, will choose uh, one or two cabinet members from the other party. I think, to me, Christie too, is too objectionable. But it would, would he even take a cabinet position in, 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 the, in, in the Biden administration, right? Um, but I, but I've, I've, been, I've been reading that in uh, many cases, most people don't see him as being viable as much as going ahead and putting in that goon squad time. It's interesting. I disagree. And the reason I disagree is that I, I think he thinks, here's what I think he thinks. I think he's making two calculations. The first calculation is this, and I believe that he's accurate in this calculation. The MAGA voters that everyone's scared to lose, he's guessing, and I would guess too, the majority just show up anyways. If Trump wasn't on the ballot, they would show up to vote in 2024. And a lot of people are scared to lose the MAGA vote that if Pence says something bad that they won't vote for him, they're, I think they're going to show up to vote. And that's his first calculation, which I agree with. Now, here's the second part. His second calculation is that Trump will be either in jail or indicted enough where he's just not going to be able to run effective campaign. And I think he's going to be the voice of, I'm here first, and everyone's going to come here eventually because he's going to be indicted. It might be 
on trial or might be in jail, that's probably pessimistic. That's optimistic or pessimistic that he'll be in jail. I don't think he will be in that time. But I think Chris Christie's saying someone has to pick up the pieces and I don't mind waiting, 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 and getting, uh, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but getting the last girl at the bar when it's 6 a.m. and the lights come up. I think he's just banking on those two things, that Trump voters will show up regardless and vote for a Republican, and that Trump won't be on the ballot in some form or fashion, whether it's legally or he's just in jail or and can't run or whatever the situation may be. And I think that DeSantis is making a mistake in not making those calculations as well. I think DeSantis should be a little bit more aggressive. He's still towing the line, but Chris, Chris Christie's just banking on Trump's not going to be, nobody's going to vote for him because he'll be in jail. I think that's what he's kind of banking on. Part of me wonders, and is what the calculation is from the standpoint of, if not Trump, who? Um, you know, for me, my purposes, and just so you know, they're all objectionable. Um, because right now, and the way that the Republican Party has carried itself, even a good Republican stand for a lot of things that are antithesis to what I consider to be good values. But that being said, Asa Hutchinson is a different style. Um, he's, to me, of all the people running on the Republican side right now, the most honest and the least objectionable, Right. So my question to you is, if they knock Trump off, does DeSantis get that? Even Or, you know, you talk about Christy, where it's that brashness, that sticking in your, you know, is this an opportunity? If a Trump, if Trump does not win the primary, is this an opportunity for Anissa Hutchinson, who is coming in with a, look, he's going to have conservative views. I can't. Uh, get with a lot he says, but his style is more palatable, right? Um, do you think that the Republicans will go with a DeSantis type, or do you think they would go more with an Asa Hutchinson? In a, in a really weird way, maybe Chris Christie is both. I think Chris Christie uh, would probably, um, I think he's willing to play in the world of truth, but he's also willing to play with the brashness, right? Um, and so to your point, is that why, is, and I guess I have another question too, is that why you feel Chrissy has a chance? Because he brings the brashness, the assholery of the Trump world, but he has, also has some level of honesty that like you get from Hutchinson. What's your, what's your assessment on that? <clears throat> this is a great, it's a valid question. I love these conversations because it really, really talks political strategy and I'm a big fan of it. I think people see DeSantis as Trump Jr. And I think a lot of even Floridians believe that DeSantis is trying to fill a void of Trump. I think Chris Christie, I actually think Chris Christie is the least objectionable, John. I disagree with you about Hutchinson. I think Chris Christie, if, here's what I'll say. I don't think he'll go after I don't think he'll ban women's rights to choose nationally. I don't think that he would say racist things amongst or xenophobic things or sexist things. I actually think deep down, Chris Christie's probably the best person as far as internally as like a soul and a moral and ethical compass. 
he's not a great, he wasn't a great governor from what I understand. And I think he's a bootlicker. I think if he says all these things about Trump and if Trump wants him to help him in the debates again, I think he'll come kissing ass again. So that's, that's what I think people see in Christie is there has to be somebody who stands up to him and Chris Christie is going to be the one Chris Christie's filling that void. Right. And maybe Trump's not on the ballot. He loses the primary and all of a sudden it becomes Christie versus DeSantis and Christie will John appeal to more moderate Republicans. A lot of independents that went for Biden in 2020 would vote for Christie in 2024. I wholeheartedly believe that they might not vote for DeSantis. I think Chris Christie is making a bet that he could bring it back to the Bush days and become a normal Republican. And maybe if Trump's not there, that people will start wanting normal Republicans again. That's that's the, the bet I think I'm making. I, I, I get what you're saying about brashness and uh, tough, and he could talk tough, and he's a New Yorker, and he has that in him. Um, yeah, I think people will like that. I think Republicans would like that, and I think some moderates... So, so what you're saying is like if we were to speak about the Republican primary... It, in NCAA terms, uh, there's the, there's the uh, Trump DeSantis bracket, and there's the Hutchinson Christie bracket. And if Trump goes down in the first round, uh, the matchup uh, would be that. Uh, would you that 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 when it came to close to sane Republicans, uh, Christie beats. Uh, beats Hutchinson. Well, is it is it because of the brashness or is it because he is still because Hutchinson is more conservative than Christie, right? So is it does 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 Christie win it win that bracket on style or because he's a moderate? I think it could be both. I think he could just get enough normal I think that there's moderate Democrats that would vote for Chris Christie to be honest. I mean, he was a governor of New York. It's not like no, no, it was New Jersey. It wasn't New York. It was New Jersey. Oh, sorry. Still a, a blue, a blue state, right? So it's not like he was down in Texas or Kansas or whatever. Like he was a governor of a blue state on the East Coast, and I think a lot of Democrats, a lot of moderate Democrats, would be like, "Yeah, I think he's normal enough, and maybe he's a little tough." But I think people understand that about New Yorkers and, and East Coasters at this point. They're just a little bit rougher around the edges and Christie fits into that. We could talk about his weight and maybe people think he's, um, um, that'll be a problem. Cause I, I don't remember the last time there was a president that was necessarily probably, Teddy, probably Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt or Taft, Teddy Roosevelt, probably. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. If, if we exclude Trump from that situation, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, here's what I, you took it to NCAA. Here's what I'll say. I think in the gambling world, I think DeSantis is taking Trump's bet. He saw what Trump bet. DeSantis is taking that bet and putting less money on it and being a little bit safer. What Chris Christie's doing is parlaying everything. And when you parlay everything, your odds are less. But if they all hit, he becomes president. And I think that's I think he's going for the home run, but it's it it gets him further if he ends up landing it. If I think if Trump's not on the ballot and people come out and vote, and he's talking shit about about Trump from the beginning, I think he might see a path to victory. DeSantis, I think, go he, DeSantis pivoted right of Trump, right, John. 
the wokeism. We saw a poll this week. I don't know if you saw this, but Disneyland or Disney in general, they didn't lose numbers in the polls, but DeSantis lost numbers in the polls. People took Disney's side on that battle. And I think, I think nationally DeSantis isn't going to be popular with stuff like that. Yeah. It's, I do, I do, well, I don't know who it is. I do think that if Trump fades, I don't think DeSantis is the natural, um, was the heir apparent. Partly because while there's no difference between DeSantis and Trump on a lot of fascist type stuff, I think Trump still has, would you agree that Within the Republican circles, probably within the, whether it's Republican or Democratic circles, Trump gets away with things that others would not be able to. And I'm not just talking from a legal standpoint. Nobody else. I'm thinking that his level of celebrity, his long-term relationship with his base, because his relationship dates back to The Apprentice, right? I do think that, you know, the whole I can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue element I think that Ron DeSantis doesn't realize that if he shoots someone on Fifth Avenue, he shot someone on Fifth Avenue, and he's not getting away with it the same way that Trump would get away with shooting someone on Fifth Avenue. 100%. I don't think there's a single person who would. Uh, And I also think this, right, John? Forgive me if I'm taking a moment to compliment him, but I don't think that Trump is scared, right? What I mean by that is he took a town hall – Granted, it was on his own terms, but he took a a town hall with CNN, with Caitlin Collins, and he went to that arena. And DeSantis, I don't think, would ever do that. I don't think DeSantis, I think he would just criticize CNN and call it woke media and then try to get people to leech off of that. But Trump, I think, understands that there's people there and all publicity is good publicity and he's going to go there. And I, I just think there's a charm about that. There's a charm of, he called Caitlin Collins a nasty woman to her face and he still gave her access. Do you know what I mean? Like he threw Maggie Haberman under the bus and he still gave her access. And I think media members see that they, they, they might take a couple shots and Caitlin Collins took that. And if he calls her again and said, let's do another interview, she would jump right at it. And I think DeSantis plays too much behind the scenes games to even consider anything like that. And I think that's why Trump, that's why I don't think DeSantis is the heir apparent. I think he's trying to take Trump, strip away of everything that's negative and then presents it in a nice little bow. But the fact is he does, he's not Trump. He's just not. Now getting back to Trump's legal woes earlier in the week, um, Letitia James had speculated that um, the action on Trump by the feds may result in some of the other cases being put on hold. But Farney Willis countered and said, no, no, honey, I'm, I'm not putting anything on hold. Um, <laughs> as we think about this, you know, Trump's going to have to start figuring out uh, how he's going to campaign and deal with these court cases. And I think with, with the exception of Cannon, who's the judge he appointed and, who's going to hear the fir- that the first federal case, or at least has yet to recruit, so recuse, everyone assumes, is going to uh, hear the first case. Um, I wonder if the judges are going to say, I, I don't care if you're running for president. These are your trial dates. You're going to have to 
uh, present yourself to court because the difference between what I learned, and I'm not sure if this is consistent from state to state, but I think it's consistent on a federal level, is where a lot of times in the civil cases, Trump could just send his lawyers. I was under the impression that a lot of these proceedings, Trump actually has to be in the courtroom for all of them. So that's going to be something that I think is really fascinating. I believe it. Um, you, I, I, Sorry, you brought up, because you made me think of something, you brought up James and Willis in New York and Georgia, respectively. And we were talking about mugshots earlier. And if anybody doesn't know, that Georgia prosecutor who went after Young Thug and Gunna and was not scared to do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a quick hot take here. He's getting a mugshot in Georgia. That's my hot take. I do not. I think she is the one that's gonna do it because I don't think she's the one that's gonna want to play games, and she's gonna treat him like everybody else because Young Thug got a mugshot. Granted, different, right? But I just think. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? What's your well, What's your take on that? Take? I'm not sure if that call though is the uh, court. Or the prosecutor. I would say to your point, if that decision is made by the prosecutor, yes. But I would also caution that I don't know where um, or who is the one who makes the call. I'm not sure if that is the, the, the prosecutor's call or if it's a call of the judge. And I think that will be the telling. So, yeah, um, if we establish that it's up to the prosecutor, then I would agree with you. She, he's getting a mugshot. But I'm not sure who ultimately has the jurisdiction or who gets a mugshot and who doesn't. I think he's getting a mugshot. I don't know. She's she's in charge. She's in charge. I, again, I get what you're saying about who actually has to put the cuffs on him, et cetera, but... I don't know. I just think, I also think that she, I don't know, that I just think she'll do it. That, that I, There's no way they'll explain it other than their gut feeling that she'll do it. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Um, but, you know, the other thing, though, as we go back to the whole Trump thing is, uh, and I think I mentioned this to you before, is, um, you know, with the co-defendant, I also, I've heard two other things. I've heard that there's a belief, one, because of this whole thing about jurisdiction, but two, um, as a backup, I hear that I've, I've heard some of the people that I've read speculate that, um, there may be another case related to Mar-a-Lago that might get charged in New Jersey. Um, one, because if he was doing some of the stuff at Bedminster, that would be the appropriate venue by which to charge it. But two it would also be a backup that if Cannon goes ahead and uh, drags her feet or does some things to advantage Trump, they always have the backup of charging him in New Jersey. I don't know if that's true. I'm not sure how it would work out. And if it was true that they're going to do it in, do it in New Jersey, do they wait until they see how Cannon plays or do they just also bring charges in New Jersey um, regardless, because I can imagine that maybe the threat of that case going to someone, you know, another venue or a similar case, a related case going to another venue 
might that be enough to put pressure on Cannon to do the right thing and to have a professional, uh, you know, uh, very uh, above board approach to how she goes into this trial? What uh, can I ask you? How what you thought of her? I don't want to use the word performance, but what you thought of this week and and she's from what I understand now reported that she's going to be the judge the entire time through. Um, I know there was some question about that, but did you see anything that indicated one way or the other? But or, or how did you feel that first kind of court day went? I don't have an opinion, but I think that a lot of the um, pundits that I follow, the legal analysts that I follow are of the mindset that she made uh, a good impression this week. Um, but I will be honest, I don't have an opinion. You know, and I, I think that's kind of something you and I have been consistent about is we don't want to become new experts just, you know, the minute, you know, something that we don't have a lot of depth and knowledge on, you know, because we watched, you know, two hours of MSNBC and we're on Twitter for another day. Uh, we've all all of a sudden become experts. I think that's something you and I try to avoid, and I'm going to avoid that speculation in that case, in this particular case. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people. Here's what I'd say: a lot of people, a lot of lawyers were talking about it, and there was a particular lawyer who had a long thread that said there's not a there's a zero percent chance she's going to recuse herself. Um, but I I think people think generally that she's going to be on her best behavior. It's not particularly uh liked when cases she had two cases that or two rulings that got sent back to her or whatever the whole situation was and that's generally frowned upon amongst that community so a lot of people think that she'll just be on her best behavior i also heard that jack smith has kind of some tricks up his sleeves and i don't know if you read this but there's a lot of people think that he wanted her specifically for the simple fact that he felt confident or not felt confident but he just thought I'm a dog prosecutor and I'm going to be fine regardless of who's behind the stand. You know what I mean? That would be fascinating if that ends up being the case. That, that would be absolutely fascinating if that ends up being the case. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the other things, speaking of dog prosecutors, as I was saying before, too, is as all this stuff was going around, going on uh, in Florida regarding the Mar-a-Lago case, uh, he was still uh, conducting on the exact same day grand jury proceedings on January 6th in D.C. So, um, and one of, Andrew Weisman, who is a uh, former uh, member of the DOJ and he's a MSNBC analyst, uh, who has been pretty accurate, he predicts, and I don't know, I have to look more into his reasoning, but he said because of the Mar-a-Lago charges, he's even more confident that January 6th charges will will come down on, on Trump as well. Um, I think that one, when they go conspiracy, you know, Trump, we got Nada wound up. I think that there'll be conspiracy if he gets federal charges on January 6th. And I think that there's going to be some good heads on the platter for that one. I think there's going to be multiple heads on the bat platter for that one. Yeah, it's interesting, John. I'm a little bullish on this because... It's, here's what's interesting. The, the Mar-a-Lago documents case is very procedural in, the, in what they're charging him with, right? They're charging him with things that are, aren't are conspiracy. They're not charging him with 
he was selling secrets to governments. He, they're not charging him with maybe possibly him putting somebody's life in danger because of selling secrets. They're charging him with very paperwork, blue collar. You took something. We proved you took it. We asked for it back. We proved you didn't. We proved you lied. More of those open and shut cases. And January 6th is more, isn't that, right? There isn't a paper trail of planning because he didn't plan it. There isn't a paper trail of meetings because he didn't have any meetings. And there wasn't a planning effort on him. It was just all conspiracies, you said. Now, can they get him for obstructing official proceeding? Maybe. I think that's the case that they'll try to make. Do I think that they'll charge him with trying to overthrow the government or trying to kill Mike Pence, which I know he did. I know he did those things. I don't think they'll do that. So that's why I'm a little bullish on that case, because what are they going to try to prove? They're not going to charge him with attempted murder on Mike Pence. They're not going to charge him with Pelosi's attempted murder, AOC. They're not going to do that. So I don't know what's there for them to charge him with, because I just don't think they'll go that far. What'll be really interesting, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, and there are, just so you know, and you can put your goody-goody, this is going to be fun hat on, a lot of the people think that not only are charges on January 6th uh, going to happen, but they feel, and you know what Fonnie Willis's timeline, they feel those charges will actually come before Fonnie Willis does something. Fonnie Willis could go as early as July 11th. So... Um, if you think if you think about that, um, I think it's going to be the weight of everything. Um, but you know, it's it's we're living in a really weird time. And but here's the question: Do you think that because of the slow drip and how we've been anticipation? And I, I remember you talking about when we opened the show. You talked about how. Um, you know, whatever day he turned himself in seemed felt almost, for lack of a better phrase, it felt low energy, right? Um, do you think that the low energy also might be the fact, like, uh, Trump's being indicted for the second, now the, you know, the third and fourth time, and stuff that would be significant, and they're all significant in their own rights. And if I told you in 2012, that the former president of the United States was going to be facing charges, she'd be like, that's horrible. Do you think we got lulled into sleep? Or what What do you think? Where, you know, I saw the significance of, sat, of, of Tuesday's arraignment, and I saw how I thought it was significant. You didn't. But what do you attribute that to? What, what do you attribute, not my significance, but what do you attribute your uh, belief that it's, not as um, powerful or consuming. What, what, what do you think? What do, what do you think that's due to? Well, just to be clear, I, I think what happened Tuesday was significant. It just seemed less, less Hollywood. Low energy. And to use a Trump it, phrase, it, it was low energy. Less... To use a Trump phrase, it was low energy. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And here's a couple of reasons why. I think first off, the. Perp Drive, I won't call it a Perp Drive, but having Trump's caravan on MSNBC. Oh, we call it, well, you can call it. I never, I never got to see the OJ. Yeah, I was going to say, you can call it the OJ chase. 
Yeah, like I, I didn't I didn't see the OJ thing. People love high speed chases and this wasn't a chase, but just to see him go through New York, I think was a little bit of this it, it was a movie, right? And then I also think New York's just more salacious, right? He was bribing through his lawyer a porn star that he slept with. And it's just obviously more salacious than and and also the other thing is Jack Smith, I think. This is the first time we've seen him talk. He was Greg Popovich, right? You just couldn't get nothing off of him. He didn't smile. He didn't smirk. He didn't grin. He didn't do nothing. He didn't say nothing that wasn't planned out. He didn't take steps that weren't planned out. And the documents case, look what it's called, right? It's called the documents case. And New York's called the hush money case. And even in the marketing of that, right? This isn't a documents case to me. This is... um I, I think he sold secrets case, right? But they're not going to prove that. So they're not going to charge him with it. But I, I, even the documents case is boring as a title because it's very, it's just boring in general. The pictures are cool and they're Photoshopping Trump laying on top of the boxes and stuff. But really it's just unsalacious. You know what I mean? I also think there's part of it is the victim, right? In New York, we got to hear... um the other side of the story, or or I forgot what case, the, the E. Jean Carroll case, where we got to hear her story about how Trump was uh, sexually assaulted or approached her or whatever, right? And there's no, there's no victim, there's no face to put to the documents case. It's really just kind of paperwork. And that's why I think it's different in Georgia, because I think the main character in that isn't Trump, it's Fannie Willis. And I think because she's the one that's going to be doing the media appearances. She's the one that's going to be talking. She's the one who has personality as she's been doing throughout this young thug case. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that, John. Right. So, and I think because, and I also think the Trump who here's the thing, and we, we haven't talked about it, but people are blaming Democrats for not talking this week. And I, I completely agree with that strategy because who is Trump blaming? There, there's nobody, he can't go at Stormy Daniels. He can't go at Eugene Carroll. He took the documents and Jack Smith's a nobody. Nobody gives a shit about him, right? So there's nobody to really him to villainize. And I bet you money that they'll villainize her in Georgia because she's a, a young black prosecutor and they're going to go after her. And I think that'll make it a little bit more salacious as well. Um, I don't know. Well, no, that's all. I, 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 see, I here's the thing too. Um, and I know people like Chris Hayes are complaining that the Democrats, and there, there should be a spokesperson. And I don't mind if people like Ted Lou, Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, a handful of people are out there dragging him for filth over this issue. But I also don't mind the greater cause of Democrats not piling on. Now, some people say, why not? Well, first and foremost, and you and I have talked about this before, if our entire electoral strategy for 2024 is a Trump conviction and he doesn't get convicted, we haven't done anything else. Also, we do, like I say, we do need to be deliberate and intentional. There needs to be, what, what, what would be a good number for you? Um, five, ten elected Democrats who really go in on it and get them out there, but the rest of, you know, what, 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 would, you, what would you assume would be a good head count? But I just think there should be a limited headcount of people who really wild out on the Democratic side. I do think there should be some individuals who do do that. But I think it should be very limited. And because, you know, they say a lot of people are still saying, oh, that's great. Trump's being 
uh, bought it on charges, but how am I going to pay my income tax? Or, you know, how am I going to afford my insulin? Or how am I going to, you know, you know, the whole student loan issue? Um, I do think that the larger, greater concentration of Democrats should be focused on the things that impact everyday Americans. John, I don't think there is a number. What I mean by that is I'm fine with the strategy of staying out of it because they're spinning in circles over there and I, there's no reason to help them, right? If I was fine with Governor Newsom going on Hannity. I thought he did great. And they didn't really talk about Trump as much as they talked about just politics, right? But right now it's Trump versus Trump's actions versus the law. And Republicans are defending, oh, well, he, he could declassify them. And, oh, well, he didn't sell them. And, oh, there's doors on the bathrooms. Like, don't worry. They're not going at Democrats, right? They're just trying to defend Trump. And I think that's just losing game. They're going to lose that narrative 10 times out of 10. If Schiff or, God forsake, a cabinet member like Pete or somebody go on a show and, and talk about Trump, it becomes Democrats versus Republicans. Look at what the Democrats are doing versus what Trump's doing. And right now, I don't want that narrative. I want Trump to Trump to spin in circles. The Biden eighteen thousand boxes cases that narrative's not spinning. His usual talking points aren't working. So I'm I'm fine with zero Democrats talking about this. Right? It's not lost on me. I follow all the Biden and Kamala Harris accounts on Instagram and Twitter and everything. They're, they seem to be planning uh, perfectly what they're saying on the days that Trump's doing it. For instance, Kamala had an event that day. She posted about the events. So they're they're going about business as normal. And I think that's what they should do. And I'm fine with Democrats kind of staying out of it. it, it now, if Go- Governor Newsom, I don't consider a Democrat. He's a Democrat, but he's not. He's not a Washington Democrat. He's a federal government. Right. He's not a Fed. He's not part of the administration. He's just kind of the governor of California. So if he wants to go on Hannity and do that, that's fine. But I think Biden and most Democrats who are in Congress should stay away from it for the most part. No, I agree. I agree. And and I, I like that tactic, you know, and, and we need to focus on the issues that people care about. And like I say, you and I both know that um, for you, look, you and I are going to enjoy the hell out of this. And there's a and, and, and our in our Twitter universe that you and I belong to is going to enjoy the hell out of it. But that does not necessarily translate into electoral victory. And more importantly, at any given time, when the opportunities are there, Dems can buy on, but their day-to-day work should be about the people and the things that really, you know, impact the people. You know, gun violence. You know, uh, did you see that the Democrats put a dis- some discharge petition stuff out on guns? And I understand they're going to be doing some discharge petition stuff uh, next week or this upcoming week on the issue of choice on, on women's reproductive health. Um, they're able to say while the Republicans were going ahead and protecting gas stoves, you know, we were doing things, even if they end up, you know, not going anywhere, we were doing the things for the people. And I think that's, that those are some, you know, things that we need to see and hope to see Democrats continue to do. I completely agree. I also think it's the low period, right? Like, there's a vacuum in information right now. Nobody's really paying attention to politics in the summer, right? Congress is kind of uh, out of in session or whatever you want to call it, out of session and in district, as you call it. And 
Um, nobody's really talking about politics right now. Everyone's outside. Everyone's enjoying the summer. Chicago got some NASCAR races coming up. Like there's things happening in the country that politics are, aren't as in, uh, in present in our mind. And, but what is present is Trump's indictments. So if we could just stay on message and let them kind of spin their wheels, I think the rest will take care of itself. And as we get closer to an election, there's going to be more. We still have Georgia. We still have January 6th. Like there's going to be more and you'll have time to go at him. But I just think right now it's too early and it's pointless. It's not going to give you anything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So on that note, we're coming up on an hour and now would be a very good time to uh, break the conversation, uh, see what comes of this upcoming week and welcome everybody back this time next week. So for now, this is John signing off. And this is Fadi signing off. Thanks for joining us, guys. <laughs>